In this episode, we're going to talk about using cell phones overseas when you travel, especially when you're going to countries that don't like you having a VPN and you don't want to be tracked in what you're doing. There's a lot of countries that matter. You should also know that if you're ever going to try anything like this or you're going to use VPNs or try alternative methods of accessing the internet in many countries, this is considered illegal. Not that that makes it cooler, but it's just a way to use VPNs and avoid being tracked while using your own cell phone, which can be done because it's very difficult in some countries to just turn a VPN on, especially considering what VPN it is and whether or not it's even serviced in that country. So that's what we're going to talk about, using VPNs overseas to protect your privacy right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. I should first mention that I'm going to address a couple of questions and inquires, more than a couple, have to do with Afghanistan. Of course, some of you have tracked the statement I made about doing a show with Dave Robertson. That's very possible in the future. It really doesn't matter when we do it because of the way things are unfolding. And the intent of that show would not really be to discuss what is happening right now. I mean, if I ever was going to do a what's happening right now, I would have done a live show starting a week ago and ran it for a couple of days or something, which would have been good considering how rapidly things develop. But we'll talk about kind of some history as well as what got us there, what decisions were made that made current events happen the way it did, evolution of organizations, what organizations are there now, and how it potentially could be affecting the rest of the world in the region. What I will address, though, is there's a lot of criticism, and I get that. It's just people don't generally know what they're talking about, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just it's fair to have criticism. Nothing wrong with having that. But understanding certain things about what they're going on and why they're happening. At the end of the day, many people think we should have been out of there a long time ago. They're probably right. There's also many people that are essentially what we call a shooter from special operations community that have platforms that are discussing it and critical of it, which I don't blame them either. But sometimes they're saying things they don't entirely understand because they did not work at national level interests. They did national level missions, of course. But there's things in the intel side of the bigger picture they don't totally understand, which isn't their fault. I'm just pointing that out. But it's to say that at the end of the day, things you should understand is it's always been believed this was going to happen. That's number one. Number two, who's in office, what party's in control of Congress or whatever's going on in our government doesn't really affect that. This would have happened probably three months ago if Donald Trump was still in office because his plan was to do it about three months ago. That three months wasn't going to change anything. Some people said, well, he wouldn't have left all that equipment there. That's been part of the plan from the beginning. That was never changing. Not to mention the amount of money it would cost to get it out of there in the time, which was not going to work. Not to mention the kind of tactical difficulties and threat you're putting yourself under trying to go through and deconstruct buildings and pull all that stuff out or pull vehicles out, convoy them out would actually be a bigger issue than just leaving it there. Plus, leaving it there gives them the opportunity to have established bases throughout the reasons and equipment that we've trained them to use. That's always been the case. It's not the first time we've done it. That was always the plan. Who's president has nothing to do with it. Some people have talked about the aspect of what people have said publicly in the news, especially coming from intel agencies, and, well, they knew it was going to be rapid. Well, I don't think people appreciate how long things take. I mean, Two, three weeks ago, I mentioned, I didn't do it on here, but I was mentioning to some people, including David, that four to six weeks by October, they should probably have control of the capital before the end of the year. If it takes that long, have control of the country. 
seeking legitimacy or probably already having it, trying to establish trade, et cetera, et cetera. He called that a grim outlook. I get that. It probably was a grim outlook. That would be considered rapid. So the fact that it had happened quicker in a couple of weeks sounds like a big deal to an average person because two weeks versus four or five months. But at that level of operations and things have happened in countries like that before, it's not any different really. Yeah, it's faster, but it's still rapid. But six months would be rapid. When the Soviets left Afghanistan in the 80s, it still took them like a year and a half for the Taliban to take over. It took a while. So there's things that are different. The other things people are talking about too is which countries are involved, which is stuff me and him will talk about. And a lot of it revolves around money, at least stuff I've seen. I, I don't think that's all that's out there. But discussing them wanting to work with China or Russia or whoever because they need money. They don't need money. I mean, they probably want money and they probably need it now, but they never really needed it. Simply because their income every year is about $1.5 billion, most of which comes from mineral rights and mineral sales. After that is poppy production, which they're the number one exporter of opium in the world. But people also don't realize Afghanistan's the number one exporter of marijuana in the world. They control some of that too. After that, they actually get money from real estate and real estate sales and leases. People don't realize that, which I understand. And then there's a few other areas they get money in, not to mention their close support from Pakistan and other things that are going on. And we'll definitely talk about things like that and the financial impact whenever we do that show. I just want to point out, at the end of the day, this was happening. We've always known it was going to happen. Granted, there's people that didn't know that. But they weren't in a position where they would know that. But this has been talked about for a long time. One last thing I'll point out is some people have talked about general ideas they've heard from people in history or just what makes sense to them, most of which are, I think, right on the money, about what success would look like in a war like that. You know, things like having a plan when you go in and having a withdrawal plan and making sure it's constantly updated and making sure here's what our goals are and here's what we're going to do to help this country or whatever purpose we're there. And then when that happens, we leave. And people are saying, you know, these sound good, but we didn't do that. The fact of the matter is we absolutely did those things. The reason it failed is we constantly moved those goalposts. And we didn't just move those goals farther down the road. Sometimes we didn't move them farther. Sometimes we moved them behind us and we had to go back and reset and change what we're doing. Sometimes we moved them to the left. Sometimes we moved them to the right. And it wasn't always us. Coalition partners had a piece of this. Things that are going on in the world and politics affects it. World trade affects it. Also the sitting government that was there and what they did and didn't want. They've asked us to leave many times and asked us to stay and things have been renegotiated. So if you want to blame fault on anybody, you could say it's everybody's fault. There's no individual person or country you could really put on it. You could probably try to attach percentages if you wanted to. But the mission constantly changed through evolution. The real question isn't, did we do these things the right way or should we have left earlier? The question is, should we ever have changed those? You know, other things like when we train people, and I'm talking about like training the Afghan National Army, we train them in these countries. A lot of times we train them to adapt their skills to other skills, learn new techniques, learn new tactics. And this goes all the way up to even training politicians. Getting them to adapt to that environment, other countries, world affairs, and even adapt to the battlefield. Those are all good things. Problem is, is when we only focus on that and ignore other things, such as perhaps we need to adapt to them or adapt to what they're already doing. Sometimes it's a mistake to ignore that. Now, I don't know if that was a big enough mistake to really impact the overall ending of what's going on there. 
But it was a significant impact we saw in Iraq early on when we were training the Iraqi National Guard, which became the Iraqi Army. It's not too dissimilar. So there's many other things we can talk about, but let's get into VPN. So virtual private networks. We've talked about this before, but when talking about going to a foreign country, <laughs> funny enough, I got this email that is so scattered about, I, I don't want to read it because what this person's saying, I don't know if they're doing anything illegal, but there are people out there that want to go to places like Afghanistan and help people. I get that. But if you are asking me on this podcast, how to go to a foreign country, how to sneak in, how to sneak out, how much money does it cost? I want to help these people. Kind of like people were trying to do in Iraq. If you're asking me that question, you're not the person that should be going. The person that should be going already knows the answers to those questions and has connections to people. It doesn't matter if I answer those questions, even very specifically. If you're asking me that, you are not capable of performing that function and you should not even try. Just want to point that out. That being said, using a VPN... If you're not tracking it, things like Cuba, you're having internet issues right now. Haiti's had them before. Other countries have them all the time, and it's because they want to keep their people off the internet. And sometimes they just have different rules. Sometimes they're just normal countries with different rules. Sometimes they're completely blacked out countries. But if the country has internet, one of the things people are worried about is having their phone tracked. And one of the ways to do it is a VPN, but you're not doing it the way you're doing it here. In the United States or most Western countries, you just install a VPN, and then it just runs automatically and places your... IP address somewhere else in your state or in another location in your country. When you're traveling overseas, if you want to do this to use your own mobile products, but avoid being tracked or help maintain your privacy, you can do it by a VPN. But the problem is when you show up there, whether you have a VPN from here or something that might be accessible over there, doesn't always work or has certain hangups. Not to mention the fact that VPNs, most VPNs can work anywhere, but that doesn't mean when you go anywhere, you can necessarily download them. So the first thing you do is every single device is capable of having a VPN that you're taking with you. Before you go, you download that VPN that you want to use. It doesn't matter if you intend on using that mobile device. You want to have it as a backup for any other. So let's say it's just a phone. You want to put that VPN on there. Once you have the VPN on there and you got your account, whatever you need set up, the next thing you do is make sure your phone's charged, shut your phone off, and you don't turn it on <laughs> once you land. Once you get there, what you then acquire is a local phone with a SIM card. And a lot of these countries, the SIM cards are removable. They're easy to access. Now, whether or not you change SIM cards or try to play that game, that's up to you. But having that local phone that has a SIM card, you usually can get those very cheaply. And a lot of times, the networks that they use are different than ours. So... Once you have that local phone, first thing you're going to do is shut the Wi-Fi off. You got to remember, Wi-Fi, not that I'm saying you don't know this, but there's probably somebody that doesn't. Wi-Fi gives a mobile device like a phone the capability of getting to the internet by connecting through something else, another piece of technology. On a phone, we call it a hotspot, but it could be your router, whatever. When you have the Wi-Fi on, it's very common for them to connect and find other Wi-Fi sources and ping off those addresses which we're trying to avoid, not to mention that there are agencies we do it to that set up basically false signals like fake cell phone tower, digital signals in order to track bad guys. In some countries, they do that all the time just to track movement of people in and out. Shut the Wi-Fi off, you're making a huge roadblock for them to be able to do that, and that helps protect your privacy. Then you never turn that Wi-Fi on. Then what you do is on that same phone, because the Wi-Fi is off, you turn on your hotspot. You're now not going to use that phone 
to connect to the internet through another device. You're going to use that as the device your phone's going to connect to. Then what happens is you have this phone local, no Wi-Fi on, but you have your hotspot on. You then take your cell phone you brought that's already got a VPN, you turn it on, and you connect to the internet through that local phone. That local phone just became your router, essentially. And then your VPN is very likely going to work. In most cases, it absolutely will. This is a very common thing that's done by people that want to live, operate, travel, have fun, whatever, in a foreign country. They want to make sure they have access to the internet over there. They want to make sure they have privacy. They want to make sure that they're cutting back on the possibility of being tracked. Not to mention that if they think they're being tracked, one of the things they can do is then shut off that phone they brought with them and not use it anymore. And then they can trash that cheap one they bought locally because they're probably going to be cheap. They lose the inability to find that because you ditched that phone or ditched the SIM card and put in a new one. You can always do that, but you never have to get rid of that phone. Because one of the things you see in movies, granted movies, but one of the things you see in movies and people talk about tracking the phone, they have to throw their phone away. That's true if you really believe that's happening. But if you're using a local phone as a hotspot to connect from your phone that's using a VPN, if anybody's still tracking you or figured out how to do it after that, they're not only likely a foreign intelligence service, you probably done fucked up and know it and probably deserve to be caught unless you're working for one of our agencies abroad. So don't get caught up in the idea of who might be looking for you. It's just a way to maintain privacy. It's a way to ensure that you can gain access to the internet without being tracked. It's a way to even just as simply not getting pop-ups on your phone because it's trying to connect to every cell phone tower or Wi-Fi signal that's around. And it's just a way to ensure you can use your phone, leave with your phone, and your phone has minimal to no connection to what's gone on there. And you're doing it through a hotspot, which is a local phone that has SIM cards, very likely that you can interchange. Now, you can do that here or in your home country, you know, especially in Western nations, but a lot of other nations do it. You could do it here if you want, and I've done it, where you could have a phone, even an old phone. I have old cell phones that I could still connect to the Internet if I want to through Wi-Fi, but I could also just turn them on. So something you could do, you could get another phone, or you could get a phone you can change a SIM card on here, or just a brand-new phone, and when you get that phone, you could just turn it into a hotspot, connect your phone through it. There's all kinds of options you can work with this. You can definitely check it out. It's not hard to understand. I mean, you turn a cell phone hotspot on while you're traveling, your kids can connect their iPads and play on the internet. Look at vehicles with hotspots, whether you're doing it through your phone plan or it's pre-installed as part of the vehicle's package where they're giving you a trial or whatever. Essentially, you're just using a hardware device as your router. That's really all a hotspot is to allow other devices to connect to the internet. The only difference in this situation when you're in a foreign country, you're using a local device that's already set up to work on whatever networks they have, probably has an interchangeable SIM card, and it's the same idea. It's a lot more difficult these days with smartphones in America to go in, especially with iPhones, and start changing SIM cards. It's not as commonly easy as it is with a lot of other phones. There's all kinds of tips and tricks like this. I hope it helps you out if you plan on traveling. Definitely look into if you're traveling abroad the countries you're going to, why you're going there, what your work is, how long you're going to be there. Do some internet research on their restrictions for the internet and what you can and cannot do, especially when you're traveling with a phone to a worldwide connection plan from another nation. It's a really big deal when you're coming from certain Western nations like the United States, Great Britain, Australia, Canada, and a few others. Definitely check that out so you can find out, is this even something I need to do? You can find out how to get those phones locally. You just buy them with cash. 
make sure you understand if you're buying with cash, whether or not they prefer American dollars and makes them happy to their local currency and figure out whether or not that phone's got a SIM card before you even get there or how many SIM cards you can get. You just want to not buy all those in the same place. So if you're going to buy a phone and you know that phone or discover that phone can have interchangeable SIM cards, you don't go back to that same guy. You go to somebody else, probably some street vendor or something like that, and you're getting cards at different locations so it doesn't look like you're some weirdo spy from a movie that's going to draw attention to yourself. And then that hopefully helps you out, at least get you access to the internet, at least protects your privacy and minimizes the probability of you being tracked. And here's the other thing. It's not really about governments doing it. It's actually about hackers. It's about hackers and people that do things. In the same manner that people go and get mugged, they get attacked, people profile them, steal from them, sneak into hostels, all these things they do to traveling people, especially Americans, because we're rich, arrogant Americans to most people. Hackers and low-level guys do the same thing to people's phones for all kinds of reasons. It makes it more difficult when you're connecting through a local hotspot on a local phone using a VPN for them to figure out that it's even you. And most of the time when they see you sitting there and they realize they can't get into it, all they know is whatever you're doing, even if they figure out, they're probably not going to be able to get you. So that's a bit of privacy tip for you, and I hope that helps you out. If you like this episode, don't forgive us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.